Happy Sunday to you. Welcome once again to the Edge Church. My name is Stephen Van Den, and I'm one of the pastors here. Re- really glad you decided to tune in and join us today. Uh, for, for the past few months now, we have been walking together through our series that we're calling Active Discipleship, where we've been just talking together about what it means and what it looks like for us to be and to live as followers of Jesus Christ, that, that being a Christian actually means something and it looks like something. And so we started this whole thing by talking about how followers of Jesus are worshipers of God, that, that as Christians, we are those who whose lives are lived unto God for the glory of God, for the praise to the praise of his name, that a, a life of, of worship is a life of obedience to the word and the way of God. It's a life that displays the beauty and the majesty and the worthiness of God. And then after this, we talked about how disciples of Jesus are those whose identity is in him, that, that, that really we are who God says we are, that, that, that we're sons and daughters of our Father in heaven, that we're heirs of God and, and co-heirs with Christ, that we're ambassadors who are sent to represent our king, king as servants of his kingdom. And then this past month, we looked at how disciples of Jesus are, are to be and walk in relationships that are rooted in the love and truth of God and that reflect his nature and his character and his ways. And we talked about our relationship, how it starts with this relationship we're to have with God and our relationships with one another as the church and then really our relationship to the world around us. And, and, and today now and for the rest of the month, we're going to be looking uh, at how we as Disciples of Jesus are called to be ministers like Jesus. and You can really think of ministry as the ways by which God wants to work through your life. And in 1 Peter 2 verse 9, it says to us, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, it says, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. In in the Old Testament, the Levites were the priests who were called to to both minister to the Lord and to the people. But, But now, today, for those of us who are in Christ, we are now the priesthood, as the scripture tells us. We are those who have been commissioned by God to be his ministers, ministers to the Lord and ministers of the Lord who represent his kingdom. And so, so today for the next month, we're going to look at four of the ways that we are called to minister. And this morning specifically, we're going to talk together about the ministry of prayer. And so to start, I just want to pray. I want to invite the Lord just to speak to all of us, to you this morning, and we can hear what he has to speak to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this moment and this time. God, thank you that you're here. Lord, thank you that you're present. Thank you that you're available. God, thank you that you speak. God, that you want us to hear you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do just that, God, that you would open up every set of ears right now in Jesus' name, Lord, just to hear you. God, that our hearts would be open to to receive of you. Lord, help us just to, to, to grab hold of every bit of what you have for us today. Uh, Lord, thank you that, that God, you're, you have a word for us, God, that, that your word is living and active, God, that your word always accomplishes its purpose. And so, Lord, as we open up your word, speak, God, minister in every heart, I pray. 
every way in us and in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So, so we're talking about prayer today. And, and to be honest, I'm really glad that we are because I can tell you that for me, that this is something that God has been increasingly laying heavy upon my heart for my own life and, and, and really for us as the church, that, that we would walk in and, and grab hold of both the amazing gift that prayer is to us and, and also the powerful impact that our prayer has as we contend and pray for others and, and really ultimately that we would be a people of prayer. And now I don't think it probably comes as any kind of a shock to you, right? Like, like that, that we're to pray, right? I think, I think all of us generally know that like we're called to pray, right? Like, like Jesus models this for us. He, he would get a time alone and spend time with God in prayer. Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray. The scriptures talk to us about prayer and tell us to pray. We read in Acts 2, chapter 2 about the early church where it tells us that they devoted themselves to prayer. And yet I think that for many of us, if we're honest, prayer is often lacking in our own lives and in our life together as the church. And I'm not saying that in some kind of way to like shame you or, or guilt you in any way. I know that, that, that ultimately like shame and guilt can be a motivator for a time, but really in the end, they just end in discouragement. Uh, shame and, and guilt can really help you make, make you more religious, but it never really leads you into a deeper relationship with God your Father. And, and that's really the essence of what prayer is. Prayer at its essence is a relationship. It's this relationship where we're talking and listening to God. It's a conversation. It's communication. Christianity is not primarily religious do's, don'ts, and duties. It is primarily a relationship where we have been welcomed and invited to God himself. And we've been welcomed because of Jesus. Listen, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22, it tells us, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great, a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings. As, as John Wesley, the, the, the 18th century English pastor and theologian said, he says, prayer is the means of drawing near to God. It is the breath of our spiritual life. Prayer then, it's not a religious button that we push, but, but rather it's a relationship to be pursued. And, and, and all good and serious relationships require communication, don't they? Which really means then that prayer isn't like just you talking to God, but, but it's also you listening for God. The goal of prayer really isn't just that we come with our prayers and our petitions, but, but that we get God himself, that, that, that we get to know him, that we get to, to, to know what he's like, that we get to receive of him, and that we get to listen to what it is that he's speaking to us. Remember that Jesus says in the, in the gospels, he says that my sheep know my voice. We as followers of Jesus are to know God's voice. We're to know what his voice sounds like, Right? To know that it's him who's actually speaking to us and not something or someone else. And, and can I suggest to you that, that, that if you're having a hard time hearing him, 
or discerning him, that it may be that your heart and your mind are too captivated and distracted by, by lesser things that are deadening your awareness of him and your ability to hear his voice. It's it's only in this place of abiding, as Pastor Neil talked about this past month, where all the kingdom fruit in our life and from our life is produced and brought forth, where we're transformed and changed to be more like Jesus and where God moves powerfully in and through our lives. Listen, God is not looking for people who know how to be busy with religious activity. God is looking for people who will represent his heart. And I cannot represent in action what I have not first learned and discovered in prayer. In my communing with God, it's my connection with the heart of God that enables and empowers me to represent Him in action. Prayer then is not an option for a people who really want to know God and represent Him in the world. Prayer is essential for us. Prayer is both a gift of God to us and it is a work of God through us. Or you could say that the ministry of prayer is both for us and from us. It's for us because as we meet with God in prayer, God the Holy Spirit ministers to us. God speaks to us. God changes us. And it's also from us because we bring our prayer and petition on behalf of others. God moves. God responds. We partner with the Lord in his kingdom work. There really is nothing in this life more transformational in us or more effective through us than prayer. This is why we hear the Apostle Paul admonish the church in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And he says to the church, he says, listen, devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. He says, devote yourselves to the ministry of prayer, church. That word devoted, literally, it means to continue earnestly. It it means to be steadfast and persistent and and enduring and persevering. It speaks about our habits and our priorities. Paul's saying, listen, prayer ought to be our priority because God is. Prayer's our priority because God's our priority and we need him. See, the reality of our prayer life, or lack thereof, is is that it exposes our heart's priorities. It's an indication of really how we see God and our need of Him. It reveals our trust in Him and His Word to us. It's an evidence of our love for Him. And it's really an evidence of our love for others, too. Because, listen, like, you're not coming to God with the, like, big and deep and, and heavy things of your heart and life if you don't trust him, if you don't believe that he hears or responds. And you're not going to bring someone else into that either. You're not going to lift up somebody else in prayer if you don't believe that for them either. The question for us is, like, are you devoted to prayer? Is that true of you? Would you call your prayer life persistent? Would you call it steadfast? Would you call it enduring? In Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells this parable about a persistent widow who just kept coming again and again with her request. I'd, I'd encourage you to go look at that story sometime this week. But it says that, that Jesus actually told his disciples this parable. It says to teach them to always pray and to not give up or lose heart. Let me ask you, what is it that causes you to give up or to lose heart? in prayer. I, I know I can say for me, if I'm honest, that, that typically for me it's when something 
uh, that I've been praying about for a while just doesn't seem to be happening. Like it's taking longer than I thought that it should. Or, or, or maybe when it's, I get an answer that's different than the one that I really wanted. Maybe you can relate to that. But listen, Jesus doesn't tell this story to suggest that God is somehow reluctant to answer prayer or, or that somehow we have to wear God down with our praying. Actually, it's the opposite of that, that God loves to answer our prayer. But this story is really given us to keep us praying and not giving up in our prayer to understand that God's delays are not necessarily God's denials, that sometimes God's delays are because of a greater work that God is actually doing in us and around us, that he's building some endurance in our faith, that he's teaching us how to persevere and to depend on him. There is a purpose in our waiting. And so, so don't give up is what he's saying. Be devoted to prayer, but, but not just devoted, watchful also, Paul says. This means that we're to pray expectantly, like when you talk to God, that, that you're believing that God actually really hears and God really responds, that your requests actually matter to God, like God's interested God, God cares, and, and that God ultimately will make good on his word and his promises. So you're expecting that God is going to do something in response. My, my guess is that Paul is encouraging the church with this reminder to be watchful because it's easy for us as people to just fall into this spiritual daze or slumber. Remember the story of when Jesus was about to go to the cross and he, and he takes three of his disciples with him to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And what does he say to them? He says, watch and pray that you do not fall into temptation. He says, why? Why does he say this? Well, listen, because prayerlessness and sinfulness often go hand in hand. John Bunyan once said, prayer will either drive out sin or sin will drive out prayer. Galatians chapter 6 tells us that whoever sows to the Spirit reaps of the Spirit, but whoever sows to the flesh reaps the flesh. So you, you don't sow to the Spirit and then reap the flesh or vice versa, right? They don't mix. And, and now when we read that, we, 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 the story, we find that Jesus' disciples, they fall asleep on him. Actually, they fall asleep on him twice. But I, I think if we're really honest, we, we'd, we'd have to admit that we're a lot like Peter, James, and John. And rather than, than oftentimes just being prayerful and watchful, we're, we fall asleep. And, and you can tell that you've gotten spiritually sleepy when prayer becomes a matter of convenience and not priority. Or, or, or when I only pray for the things of my heart, but I don't contend for the things of God's heart. Or, or, or even when there's just this growing cynicism in me regarding the power and the promises of God. This is, this is that person who just folds their arms and says, nothing's going to change anyway, so what's the point? God probably won't do anything anyway. So they don't really pray, or when they do, it's, it's more half-hearted and doubtful than watchful and expectant. Church, listen to the word of God to you. Let this stir up faith in you to pray. So Psalm 66, 19 says, but truly God has listened he has attended to the voice of my prayer. Psalm 34, 7, the righteous crowd and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. 1 Peter 3, 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 7 and 8, he says, ask and it will be given to you. 
Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened you for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be opened. Matthew 7, 11, Jesus says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? Jesus says in Matthew 21, 22, he says, in all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. The confidence that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. God sees, God hears, God responds. Be devoted to prayer, being watchful. And then Paul also says being thankful. So, so, so be devoted to prayer, be watchful in prayer, be thankful. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul, Paul tells us, he says, listen, don't be anxious about anything, he says, he says, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Qu question for you, how much of your prayer life includes gratitude and thankfulness? Or is it pretty much just you asking God for things? I mean, like, just consider all of the ways that God has loved you and cared for you and protected you and provided for you and displayed his goodness to you just this week, right? Have you taken time this week just to thank God and to praise him for his goodness, for his blessings in your life? If you are alive and breathing, you have reason to thank and praise God because every breath is a gift of his grace. And honestly, I think if we really thought about it, we'd have countless things to thank him for. Life, breath, this day, his creation, relationships, family, the church, grace, mercy, forgiveness, salvation, the Holy Spirit, all of eternity, and a million other little things too. I'll bet if you really started to consider all the blessings that God has bestowed upon you in your life, you would thank and praise God all day long. And you wouldn't even double up on things. It wouldn't be like you're going to have to come back. You would just go and go and go because the blessings of God are really endless. And, and listen, Paul then says, listen, when we come to God with thanksgiving, there's actually a promise in that for us. He says in verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I, I think we could just look at, like, spend some time staring just at that verse. Just like, like consume that verse. This ought to be one that is like underlined in your Bible, is one that is like written on like the walls of your house, one tat you tattoo on your body somewhere, right? And the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. God's promise to you who come to him in prayer with thanksgiving is his peace. Would you like the peace of God today? Prayer in thanksgiving is how you access the promise of peace. The, the purpose of prayer is, is to be present with God. And, and the promise of prayer is that when you are, when you come to him, with thanksgiving, that the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And, and, and ultimately, what he's saying is like, this is a peace that only God can give. This isn't a different kind of peace. This isn't a peace you can get somewhere out in the world. 
This is a peace that can only come by the Spirit of God, and thankful prayer is the key for the door of God's peace to be opened in your life. Thankfulness helps us to shift our focus off of self and circumstances and onto God and His goodness. This is where like faith is stirred up. This is where joy abounds. And as we pray, God works in all kinds of ways, beginning in our own heart and mind. Prayer is a gift for you. But, but that's not all that prayer is, right? But prayer is also a work through you. It's not just about you. It's a ministry to you, but it's also meant to be a ministry through you, a partnership with God where through prayer, God moves you on behalf of other people and God works in the lives of others and in our world. Jesus, brother James, says to us in James chapter 5, 16, he says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. In other versions, it says that you may be whole. Listen, all of us, every single one of us, we come to Christ personally in order to receive his grace and his salvation. But the way that we grow in Christ and the way that we walk in his wholeness is together. This includes confession, which, which actually means then that we have to come together, which means then that we share together, which means then that we're honest with one another and listening to one another. It means that we're contending for each other. In prayer. This is actually one of the ways that we bear one another's burdens, as the scriptures tell us. This isn't like a, this isn't one of those like, hey, uh, I'll pray for you as I'm, as I'm headed out the door, and maybe I do or maybe I don't. This is, I'm actually praying with you. This is me praying for your wholeness. This is me praying for your freedom, praying for your healing. I'm praying for your breakthrough and for your joy. I say this all the time, you guys have heard me say this, and I'll be a broken record when it comes to this church, but we need one another. God made it this way. And he made it in such a way that, it, that, if, that we were not going to experience his wholeness in our lives apart from one another. Remember the story of the Old Testament, uh, in the Old Testament about the Israelites when they're entering into the promised land, which is this new place of abundance, right, that God had for them to live and thrive and, and be. And uh, only as they enter this place, they discover that, that there's really like one huge, big obstacle that is keeping them from this blessing, the city called Jericho. And it has these huge and impenetrable walls. And how then will they get past it, right? How, how, how could this seemingly immovable obstacle be overcome? and they'd be able to enter into this promised land. Well, God has them march around the walls of this city seven times together, and then, and then to let out this shout of joy. And when they do, the great walls of this city come crashing down. Listen, there are some walls some strongholds, some barriers in our life that are keeping us from taking ground and, and moving forward, keeping us from God's promises being fulfilled in our life, keeping us from grabbing hold of all that God has for us that can only come down as we walk and contend together. This is a walk that requires humility. It requires grace. It requires honesty and vulnerability. And those are things that take the Spirit of God at work in us to, to, to happen. Uh, and, and, and this also takes time, right? Which also means, again, that, that like we, it's important that we take time to be together. It's important that we pray 
for one another and not just for one another, not just for us as the church, but, 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 but also that we pray for the world, that we pray for those who, who, who maybe don't even know Christ. In, in 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4, Paul says, he says, listen, I urge then, first of all, petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. He says, this is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. What is it that is good and pleases God our Savior? Prayers being made for all people. This is what pleases God, who wants everybody to be saved, who, who wants to put his glory and kindness and good goodness on display that, that the world might see and turn and believe and be saved. This prayer for others, Paul uses this word, is called intercession. This is a, a different kind of prayer where we stand in the gap on behalf of people who may or may not even know the Lord. It, intercession means standing in someone else's shoes and taking on their burden as if it's your own. Intercession is sometimes referred to as warfare prayer. It's like contending for the kingdom of God in someone else's life or, or in our world, recognizing the very thing that Paul tells us in Ephesians 6.12, that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, he says, but against the rulers and authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces uh, of evil in the heavenly realms. In, in other words, Paul's like, listen, this is a spiritual battle that's taking place against individuals and families and nations, and so the tools and weapons that are needed for victory to happen in that person or, or in our world are not primarily physical but spiritual. It requires a supernatural working of God's Spirit in the heavenly realm and also through, then, the people of God on the earth. This is why we hear the Apostle James continue in James 5, 16. He says, listen, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Why does he say that? Because it is, right? Because prayer actually changes things. Prayer actually impacts things because God hears and he answers and he works through his people so that people get healed, lives get changed, breakthrough actually happens. The supernatural occurs in people's lives and in our world because prayer is powerful and effective. And it's not so much that it's your prayer that's powerful, but that the God you're coming to is powerful. And in prayer and intercession, we get to partner with him in his kingdom work, in, in people's lives, and in our world. It's absolutely amazing. Some, someone once said that, that without God, we can't. Without God, we cannot. But without us, God will not. And I'm not saying that that's ironclad true. I think that God can do and does many things without us, right? And he's fine without us. But somehow in God's sovereignty and in his plan, he invites us to partner with him in his kingdom work through prayer. And so it's actually on our knees in prayer that we get to have the greatest impact in the world around us because the prayers of God's people are powerful and effective. Not only does prayer change us, but God moves in response to our prayer. This is why James encourages us then with the story of Elijah. James 5, 17, he says, listen, Elijah was a human being, even as we are, he says. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Imagine that. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced 
crops. Why, why Elijah, right? Like, 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 why is he using Elijah as an example? And well, well, be, though it's Elijah, right, who's the guy who actually prays and, 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 and rain stops for years, right? And, and then he prays again for it to fall and it does. Elijah's also the guy who was so depressed and, and who was so overwhelmed at one point that he actually asked God to take his own life. James is telling us the story of Elijah because he wants us to understand, like, listen, church, Elijah was just a man. Elijah was just a person like you are. He wasn't some kind of spiritual superstar. God didn't like him or or love him any more than he does you. And if God could use a man like Elijah to, to work through him, to do the things that he did, imagine what God might do through you as you come to him and partner with him in prayer. In fact, Paul says in Ephesians 3.20 that God is able even to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. So, So at the end of the day, no matter how big the impossible might be that we're looking at, it isn't impossible for God. It's not too big for him. It's not too difficult for him. The question is, is, is will we pray? And that's the encouragement of God's word to us today. Pray. Pray devotedly. Pray expectantly. Pray thankfully, not just for the things that you're facing, but contend for one another. Contend for your brothers and sisters in the faith, for their wholeness, right? For for those who God has placed in your life. He's put you in a unique place for the sake of those people and, and, and also for our world who desperately needs him. That as we do, we might receive the peace of God that guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus, that we might walk in his wholeness as his people, and that we might experience the powerful working of God in us and through us. I'll close this message with just this quote from the late Pastor Samuel Chadwick, who said this. He said, Satan dreads nothing but prayer. His one concern is to keep God's people from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, or prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. That, that's the invitation to you this morning. Pray. God invites you. Come and pray. And if you're sort of like, I don't even know where to start, well, I would say a great place for you to begin would just to get some time with the Lord. You can open the scriptures, read God's word, let that minister to you, pray that back to the Lord. You could start with thanksgiving. Just get a notebook, start writing like all of the ways God has blessed your life and then just take some time to thank God for it. Just sit in silence and see how God wants to speak to you or, or maybe even to see how God might lead you to pray for someone else or to pray about a situation or to pray about something that's happening in our world. And then you just allow the Spirit of God to lead you in contending for the things of God's heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. God, thanks for the gift of prayer. Lord, that you invite us to yourself, that, Lord, it's in your presence where we're changed. It's in your presence, God, where we're transformed. It's in your presence, Lord, where we're made aware, God, of your heart and your desires. And Lord, we learn to hear your voice. God, I pray that you would, Lord, stir our hearts to pray. 
stir our hearts to come to just be with you. And Lord, I pray that, Lord, you would stir our hearts to contend for others, to contend for our nation, to contend for the world. God, that we would, Lord, partner with you in your kingdom work. Lord, knowing and believing and trusting that that prayer is powerful and effective because you are. Lord, have your way in your people. Have your way in us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.